grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Obedience. It's often heard as a dirty word, but trust me, it's not. You might ask, how do I know it's not a dirty word? Well, the answer is quite simple and not that profound. It has way too many letters. Don't you know that dirty words are four-letter words? I know some have three and some have five, but I don't know of a single one that has nine. So it's a, not a dirty word. But seriously, obedience is not a bad thing, even though it often gets a bad rap. We live in a rebellious world. We are all by nature as sinners, rebels. So obedience is not something we want to think about. We don't want to be obedient. We want others to be obedient to us, sure, but not the other way around. What do we hear in John 14, 31? Jesus said, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. And so already we see why obedience is important. It communicates. Hebrews 5, 7 to 8 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Discipline. Last week, we observed our Lord's ascension. Luke recorded for us that Jesus brought his disciples to Bethany, not my daughter, the town, to witness this event. Bethany literally means house of obedience. Jesus' first followers were to be obedient. As he was now ascended to heaven, they were to follow what he had said while he was with them. And the Spirit was going to come and bring to remembrance all that he had said. At Bethany, he told them to stay in the city of Jerusalem until he sent the promise of his Father upon them, until they were clothed with the power from on high by the Holy Spirit. Ten days later, during the Jewish celebration of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. We heard about it in the Acts reading. God wasn't shy when the Spirit came about them, upon them. His power was made known visibly. He was confirming for all present and for us, as it's recorded in history, that he was still working among man. The Creator was still creating, and he still is. With each new Christian, he brings to life a new creature. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2, 1 through 4. The disciples' obedience paid off. That you and I 
even know about Jesus way out here on the lost coast is a result of their being obedient, listening to Jesus, and staying in Jerusalem, like he said, until the Holy Spirit descended upon them and they received that power. Imagine how things might have worked out if they weren't obedient to Christ. Imagine the Bible as alternative history. They wouldn't have received the ability to speak in the different languages of the nations. What would have happened? They would have remained limited, powerless to spread the gospel to all people. It would have at the very least stunted the spread of Christianity. There was the Jewish feast of the harvest, Pentecost. Jerusalem was packed with devout Jews from every nation under heaven. And we have that list there, which is in the, is in the Greek. But if you were to read it in Hebrew, it would look very much like the table of nations from Genesis, the Tower of Babel. These were pilgrims in the Holy Land. The ancestors of these devout Jews had been dispersed into other lands during Israel's long and checkered past. Now, now they had been gathered into one place, one city. God's divine providence was in action. He was visible. The exiled Jews had formed communities where they lived, pockets of faithfulness in these different nations, these unbelieving nations. And no doubt, these faithful, devout Jews would return home to this, their foreign lands, whichever ones they lived in, when these festivities were over. And everything that had happened in the past, their dispersion, it was for this moment, and they were realizing that. So at the gospel of Jesus Christ, news of his obedience to the Father, under the law, the commandments, his keeping of the commandments, his death and resurrection, it would be preached to all nations under heaven. God's word was for everyone, is for everyone. It is for us. It is for you. It is our good news. Obedience resulted in a great harvest in that day, and it continues to do so in ours even here on the Lost Coast. God has given us Jesus Christ's Holy Spirit. It's not a Holy Spirit. It's His Holy Spirit. It's their Holy Spirit, if you want to think about it, the Father's and the Son's, and we receive it. When we receive the preached Word, the written Word, God's Word, when we read the Bible and we believe, we receive it when we're baptized, where the water is attached to a physical element to wash us clean. And we receive it in the physical elements of bread and wine, that the word turns to body and blood, that we first put into our mouths, but then make their way into our spirits, our souls, our hearts, our beings, strengthening our face, faith, our face, our faith. The Holy Spirit gives each of us the power 
to reach the confused people around us and to bring them the life-saving clarity Christ gives. In the gospel reading, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. Can you imagine what might have happened if the disciples didn't obey Jesus? We don't have to imagine. That's what we have the Old Testament Genesis reading for. There, in the Tower of Babel, we see what disobedience brings. See, Jesus told his disciples, stay in the city. Don't go anywhere, stay put. Like a dog, stay. My dog doesn't listen, she goes. But the disciples stayed. By contrast, after Noah's flood, God told his covenant people not to stay in one place. Go, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, he said. And they didn't. Instead, they're like, let's build a city with a tower in it to make a name for ourselves. Let's do the opposite of what God said. Because we're awesome. Who wants to be obedient to him? They wanted to be men of renown. They wanted to to carve their signatures into the earth so everyone would remember who they were. Not giving God glory, but taking it for themselves. They were disobedient and there were global consequences. The people of the earth were divided. Their language was confused and they were dispersed throughout the world. God got his way because he had a reason. He needed the earth to be filled so that everyone in the earth would hear the gospel of Jesus. He promised, Genesis 3.15, at the very beginning, at the first realization of the fall, he said, I got to fix this. Jesus is the solution. So you all need to go out so everyone can hear about Jesus. He had a plan. Man, however, has a propensity toward humanism, a man-centric philosophy of life, collective self-centeredness, ordered and organized around what we want, apart from our Father's wisdom. We're teenage kids. I don't want to do what Dad says. I'm doing what I want to do. And with that, we wage war against God. Rebels without a cause. Not knowing what we were doing, just doing it because it was in our nature. As a result, we lost our power at Babel. We were separated brother from brother, divided from each other. Our disobedience cut the human family into pieces. Our one race fractured. Prior to our disobedience, we were told to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And though that would have involved being separated from each other, we would have all still had the same language. We would have remained one unified family, conversing with one another, knowing each other. Confusing the languages was God's judgment on sinful man's disobedience, and we were separated from one another, now in our own tribes, only hearing what we already knew. Limited. 
Our ancestors' ancient online activity was now fed by an algorithm that fostered tribalism and with it disagreement, frustration, and hatred from others. We were polarized from one another. Confusion abounded. Our Lord already had plans to undo this barrier even as he implemented the confusion. At the right time, he would fix things. Pentecost is that right time. It's the undoing of Babel. After Jesus' death and resurrection, with the good news in place, the gospel in place, now we can fix things. Now we can all speak one language. Genesis chapter 10 details the different people groups that emerged from Babel. It's eye-opening to study this table of nations and the historical record of mankind that we've left behind in all of our different cultures, no matter which culture of the world you're looking at, it aligns beautifully with Scripture's explanation of how the earth was populated. It's gorgeous to look at. The different families became nations and the divisions have increased. Today, there's a vast array of people groups. Of course, we all know that. Do you know how many languages there are today? A lot. You want to be a little more specific? Take a guess, Christina. You're not shy. 10,000. 10, wow. 6,900. You, you, you overshot. You shot for the moon. You went a little too high. If this was uh, Price is Right, you wouldn't have won that. 6,900 languages. Roughly 7,000 languages today. Now, this, this isn't all the languages that were created at Babel. Right? There's reasons that languages change and develop and multiply. But division was unleashed. God wanted us to multiply. And though we filled the earth and we continue to reproduce, procreate, in sin we've done it not by multiplication but by division. We engage in division over multiplication and yet we think the sum is the same. Oh, we must be doing what God wants us to do all because man didn't obey the Lord. Pentecost is about unity in Christ. It's addition, it's multiplication, it's the positive. God's solution to the sinful division that plagues our families and our nations of the world. Huh, how fitting. Kind of off script here. Bible study, we looked at the broken community, nations, and broken family in our everyone is witness. That's what we're dealing with today. In the name of Jesus, our Heavenly Father sent his Holy Spirit to restore our unity, gathering us all together around Christ, the singular word of God, one language, gospel, grace, forgiveness, love, one word, one language, one tongue. Jesus crucified and resurrected, preached to every nation under heaven, no matter what is going on in that culture, no matter what color of skin, no matter what any of that, any of the things that separate us, the gospel transcends it all and it unites. Pentecost is the great undoing of Babel's confusion. Everyone now spread out, filling the world, but no longer with different words, no longer as different people. Now we all can speak God's word. Now we can all be part of God's kingdom, his nation made up of Jews and Gentiles, Christians, one family united 
In Christ, there is no us versus them. It doesn't exist. Christ brings all people together and he orients our disposition to have an us versus them attitude. He orients it correctly. Forgiven sinners, that's the us. Versus the powers and principalities of darkness, the evil spiritual forces. That's the them that we're against. Not other people. People are the prize. They're the trophy. This is a spiritual war that has physical consequences. And when we defeat the demonic army by the power of Christ, there's a prize. It's called your neighbor. Your sibling. Your mom, your dad, your friend. Those who do not believe in Jesus, they are the prize. In Christ, it's not brother against brother, man versus man. It's not even man versus God anymore. Not in Christ. It's forgiven man in Christ with all the company of heaven, the communion of saints and the angels and archangels, a whole host of heaven versus Satan and his itty-bitty puny demonic army. (laughs) This is what Peter preached on Pentecost. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. The coming of the Holy Spirit has made that possible. Who do you know in your life who still lives in confusion? Who speaks a different language, so to speak? A language that's not the gospel-oriented language you know. A language that divides them from you. He or she can hear the saving word of God just like you are right now when you speak it to them. All you have to do is speak the language you hear, the language of the gospel. In Jesus, we receive salvation. In him, you are rescued from your sinful self-centeredness and from the devil's hold on you. In him, We're no longer confused by the world's words, but now you're able to hear the word of God and it's understandable. It's not the unintelligible babblings of a foreigner, but rather spoken in your own native tongue. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is why I preach the Bible to you. This is why you read your Bible. Because Jesus said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And so we're like, well, what did you say? I got to know. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, Jesus said. Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. We don't fear anymore. Because we've received the peace of Christ. Baptism is your own personal Pentecost where the Holy Spirit descends upon you. Like the disciples, you receive the power from on high and are gifted with the ability, a new power, to hear your Lord's word. And in baptism, in baptism, you are connected to Christ, able to live now and forever by virtue of Jesus' obedience. Not your own. You are still that rebel without a cause. But Jesus isn't. And he's got you. 
And so you can say with Jesus, you can say the ruler of this confused and divided world has no claim on me. I do as the Father has commanded me. So that the confused and the divided world all around me may know that I, like Jesus, love my Father. You say, don't look at me, but look at him. And you'll see the love that I have. Because he gave it to me. You have heard the clear word of God. The ruler of this sinful world has no hold on you. In baptism, the evil spirits of confusion and division have been cast out of you. That the Holy Spirit may come and dwell within you. Take up residence. Make your body his home. In communion, the faith that the Spirit works in your heart is strengthened. That you may continue hearing God's word. That you would always be able to, to understand his tongue. Understand gospel. Because the world is, is trying to preach law. The world's trying to preach that you can't do it good enough. And so you keep coming week in, week out. Teach me more of your word. Teach me more. Of, how do you say this in gospel? I don't know. How, you, how do you say this word in gospel? Oh, Jesus. Well, how do you say this word in gospel? Oh, Jesus. Well, how do you say this in gospel? That's Jesus too. Okay. Jesus. It's all Jesus. So, I think I've gassed off long enough. Huh, George? Let us once again receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in communion. Communion with our Lord. Hearing his word and knowing we are forgiven. Amen. amen. You jumped the gun on the amen. I think somebody wanted me to stop. Okay. <laughs> May the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. amen.